Welcome to 10 Minute Tech Calm. This is Ryan Weber at the University of Alabama in Huntsville. And today, I bring you the guest for part three of our Making TechCom More Inclusive series. So my name is Chris Daly, and I am a PhD candidate currently at Utah State University. And my research focuses on um, issues of race and racism and inclusion. I was slow in editing this interview, so since the time of recording, Chris has become Dr. Chris Daly. Congratulations on defending your dissertation. And today, he's joining us to talk about the lack of inclusion and diversity in many tech comm programs in universities. Normally, I don't talk a lot about the inside baseball of academia, but I thought that Chris's work is really important as part of a larger conversation about making tech comm more inclusive because the universities of today produce many of the technical communicators of tomorrow. Welcome to the podcast, Chris. Thanks for joining us to talk about your really interesting work. In your research or the research of others, what issues related to diversity and inclusion are we seeing in TechCom academic programs? In my research, I'm currently looking specifically at racial and ethnic diversity, but there are, as you know, a lot of different kinds of diversity out there. As far as I've seen so far, there isn't data specifically showing how diverse TechCom programs are, but there's quite a bit of data out there about higher education in general, just not TechCom specifically. Anecdotally, what, I'm, what I've been seeing and hearing from students and faculty is that the vast majority of students and faculty members in TechCom programs, I've also seen this in some scholarship that identifies the lack of diversity in TechCom programs. I just haven't seen very specific, you know, in TechCom, here are the numbers. But in higher education, generally, uh, you're going to see, so if you take maybe the top 500 or so best funded colleges, they're about 70%, 77% white. What I'd like to do as a future project is I'd really like to try and figure out specifically what the racial and ethnic breakdown of TechCom programs are. Recently, I conducted a survey uh, with about 300 technical communication students. And in that survey alone, more than four and five, actually about 84% of survey respondents identified as white. So of course I can't generalize those results to the whole population, but I would hypothesize that they would likely see that. You'd likely see that across most programs. So what I'm, I'm looking at is trying to find out what is keeping people of color from enrolling in techcom programs specifically and in college in general. And what we see is an even more pressing issue, which is that people of color after enrolling in college drop out at a much higher rate than their white counterparts. So the graduation rate for students that identify as black is about 42%, whereas the white graduation rate is about 62%. So this is a problem that we see all across higher education. Um, I'm specifically looking at TechCom, one, because I'm I'm a TechCom researcher, but two, because I think technical communication is not as well known as it could be as far as a field of study. And I think it's a great opportunity for a lot of students, but especially people of color who might have a talent for writing, but they've never heard of technical communication and what it can do for them and the job opportunities and all of those kinds of things. I mean, so the issues that I'm looking at right now are what is keeping people of color from enrolling in technical communication programs and persisting to graduation and how can TechCom programs create more inclusive environments, which will, you know, not only attract people of color and support them to graduation, but will benefit everyone in the department? Because, you know, having diverse opinions and ideas and ways of thinking is a really 
how we move forward. Well, and that's interesting too, because if you're talking about, you know, a profession that's designed to reach out to users, you want to make sure that your technical writers represent the users that you're reaching out to and a non-diverse program might not be very good at that among other things. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it can, it can really help, you know, generate ideas for how to communicate to different groups of people, different ways of thinking, different cultures, things like that. Yeah, exactly. Great. So some of your research is about how students perceive the diversity of technical communication programs. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're doing and then kind of what you found through that research? Yeah. So one of the things that I do and and have done is I ask students about their experience, specifically students who identify as persons of color, and I ask them about their experience in their technical communication programs. One thing I've asked them recently is how they perceive diversity in their program. So it's actually pretty interesting because a lot of times when you ask someone if they perceive their program as diverse, they'll say yes. In fact, most of the time, the majority of students, including a student who identifies as a person of color, will say, yeah, our program is diverse. And they'll also say that our program is supportive of diversity. And I find that interesting because then later on when I ask them, okay, in your program, are there people who look like you? Are there students and professors who look like you? And they'll say no. So it's interesting because they'll say, okay, yes, I see my program as diverse, but they will also identify, well, there aren't a lot of people of color in, in my program. Sometimes it seems to contradict a little bit. Sure. Do you think, is some of this that diversity can be kind of an empty term sometimes? Yeah, absolutely. Like that it, that it could mean so many different things and it's kind of been watered down. Yeah, that's exactly right. It can, it can mean almost anything. Yeah, when you say diversity, you know, what does that mean exactly? And then, and then another issue is that what we have come to expect from diversity. So say if we were talking, if I asked them specifically about racial and ethnic diversity, and I might say, okay, is your program diverse? And their program has three or four people of color in it. And so they say, oh, okay, well, I can think of three other people. So we're diverse because the norm is, you know, just the vast majority of, of students in your program are going to be are going to be white. So you might say, well, that's what diversity means to me. You know, if, if you don't nail down, okay, what percentage or something like that, it can, it can also be hard to describe for somebody. So is part of our problem, again, that our standards for diversity have gotten so low that it's just like, well, I can think of a few examples offhand of people of color or whatever that that, it must be diverse. Is that part of the problem you're identifying? That is part of the problem, yes, Um, but also uh, that a lot of times program administrators, people that do recruitment, um, are making decisions or are are doing things, and they aren't including people of color in those decisions. So they might say something like, well, we're going to make a recruitment brochure, and we're going to put, you know, three diverse faces on the front and some campus greenery. That's what we call in the in the recruitment industry, three in a tree, right? So you have <laughs> three diverse faces and some some of your beautiful campus greener, and they think, okay, well, so a student's going to look at that and think, oh, see, there's diversity at this campus. Maybe that will recruit them. But they, they haven't asked anybody. They haven't said, okay, students that are already here, what attracted you to the program? You know, what could we do to make our program more inclusive, 
more inviting and, and uh, so that more students might be interested and, and then they might be successful here as well. So to back up a little bit, just to make sure I'm clear on a couple things. So when you're talking about this research, are you talking about surveys or interviews or both? Oh, great question. Um, both. So I conducted a survey and I actually have a couple of publications out on that survey. And then my dissertation research is interviews, qualitative interviews that I con- have conducted with uh, students and faculty members as well. So yeah, actually both. And then to make sure I understand something that you said, the perceptions of diversity among white students in TechCom programs and students of color in TechCom programs are fairly similar. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, that's correct. And that was surprising to me. The only, the only real difference I've found so far is that if you ask the question, are there people in my program who look like me, then white students will say yes, students of color will say no. Other than that, their perception seems to be the same. Yeah. When you, what else do you uncover with the student interviews in terms of things like, you know, do students of color have negative experiences related to uh, race or diversity in their programs? Yeah. So when I do uh, interviews, then students will relate to me experiences that they have but they sometimes seem to blow them off or just accept them as normal. So for example, I had a student who is Native American and she was in a computer lab and there were two students in the lab. They didn't notice her, didn't see her there. And they made some comments about Native Americans, just some stereotypical jokes. And she mentioned that to me and she basically blew it off and kind of said, well, it's not really that big of a deal. You know, they didn't know I was there. People make jokes like this all the time. She just she just said, you know, I've had mostly a positive experience, just a couple of those small experiences in my program. So students are identifying things that we might classify as, say, microaggressions or, or things like that. Right, they are, but but they seem to be sort of dismissing them. And and my what I think is happening is that they're in that program and they're not thinking about, you know, issues of race or inclusion or things like that. They're thinking about graduating. You know, they're in that program to learn, get their credential and 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 get a job. So when I ask them about issues of diversity, there those are things that they they haven't thought about very often. And another problem that I'm I'm seeing I think in in my research is that the people that I interview are generally people who are successful in their program. They're people that have persisted, continued on. They're people that have volunteered for an interview, you know. <laughs> so I'm not talking to the people that have dropped out, you know, the people that maybe had a very negative experience or maybe not even a negative experience per se, but just had a difficult time fitting in or relating or understanding academic culture or something like that. And they just couldn't succeed. And so those people, that's that's a that's a research project I'm really interested in, but those people aren't people that I've talked to. Interesting. So we may be missing part of the data set of the people who had such a negative experience, or at least a a partially negative experience who thought this isn't for me. I don't want to persist in this program for whatever reason. Yeah, I I think definitely for sure. we're, We're missing that part of the data. I do think overall, I mean, students are having a very positive experience, but, uh, I think that there probably are things that we could do, you know, to increase the inclusion make programs even more enticing or, or make programs even more inclusive for students. 
Sure, sure. I want to ask you about that in just a second. Let me ask you one other question, though. Just I'm sure you deal with this in your method or your dissertation in some extent. So you yourself are white, is that correct? That's that's correct. That's right. Okay, we haven't met you face to face. Yeah. <laughs> is there? Do you think that there is a potential element of students maybe wanting to water down their critiques or anything? Like, do you think that they might be more open with someone else who's a person of color? Or do you think that that matters? I think it matters. I definitely think it, it does matter. It is possible. I I try very hard to make it clear that when I'm talking to a student, interviewing them, that I'm only there to listen and then to relay the story that they tell. I make sure that after I interview them, you know, I, I share with them the transcripts, make sure that's what they want to say and all of those things. But I, th- I think it's definitely possible. But I, I also think that it's important for uh, white people, right, to be advocates. What I don't want to be is, what I don't want to do is come out and say, hey, this is what I think and this is how it is. What I do want to do is say, these are the stories that people of color have told me and the suggestions that they have given me and sort of try and amplify their voices. Great. So what kinds of suggestions have you gotten? What are, so I'm a program administrator um, in a tech comm program. You know, for someone like me or other program administrators, what kinds of things can we do to try to encourage both more diverse applicants and participants in our program and then to make their experiences better in those programs. Yeah, so my the main piece of advice that I have is just to be a, a good technical communicator, right? So listen to your subject matter experts, which in this case might be the students of color and then find ways to communicate so that, you know, your audience like faculty, administrators, current students understand what they're teaching you. And being open, you know, to changing your programs, your pedagogy, different practices, things like that. But so some specific recommendations. One that I, I've heard quite a bit is to designate someone in your department to be in charge of recruitment. Some people do this. Some people don't. Sometimes it's cost prohibitive. But then to give them a, a specific charge to to focus on diversity and inclusion so that you have someone who that's part of their job. You know, maybe they, maybe you give them a reduced teaching load or maybe you hire a staff member, but someone who can, can focus on that and do that. So another thing is to create, you know, a diversity and inclusion advisory board or, or specifically to involve students in your recruitment activities and students of color. When I've talked to students, I've seen very effective recruitment when students will be involved with that, you know, go out, actually visit, do things like that. Another one is to get out into your community. So I've actually seen some tech comm programs who have said that they're trying very hard to increase diversity, but the way that they do that is by reaching out nationally, but they live and, and work in a very diverse local community. And there are a lot of, you know, talented people out there that we can go out there and, and find. So uh, one interesting suggestion I got is that we can we can recruit you know talented writers and communicators just like you might at your college uh, a musician or an athlete you might go to the local high schools and talk to an instructor and say hey who are your great writers who are your great communicators people who you think might be great and to reach out to them one of the most effective things I've seen for bringing students into your program is having a faculty member go to a student and say hey you're a great writer. Would you consider majoring in technical communication? 
just that alone is, is more effective than even a friend, a family member, someone saying, hey, you're a great writer. When a professional, a faculty member, someone who's a, an expert comes up to you and says, hey, that you're great. We would love to have you in our program. That makes an enormous difference. And so there, are you talking about identifying students within your college or outside of your college? Like, so, you know, this is a student in freshman comp who's a good, identified as a good writer or someone who's a high school teacher is identified as a good writer, or is it both of those things? Yeah, really both. Um, the easiest one is just in your intro courses, your composition courses, just reaching out. The, I, there are a few places that do that specifically. One place even has like a card that they give students that says, hey, we think you're great. We'd love you to apply for our, to be in our program. Th- that's the easiest one and, and probably the most effective one I've seen. But also one that people don't do a lot is reaching out to the local yeah, schools, high schools, going out, talking to students. Because a lot of times what we do is we rely specifically on admissions offices, especially for undergraduate, they bring in students and we just get what we get, you know, and, and nobody knows what technical communication is till they get here. Another suggestion that I've had is to actually go to your admissions office, your academic advisors, and just briefly tell them, hey, technical communication, this is what it is. This is who would be great for us. Because I used to work in a college admissions office and, and I'd have a lot of opportunity to tell people about different majors that might be good for them. If we can get in their ear a little bit and say, hey, we've got this amazing major. It has job prospects, you know, people that like to write, people that, you know, frankly love science but aren't great at the math part. You know, that's us. <laughs> Come on over. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, that's good too because, you know, you mentioned the idea of reaching out. You know, one of the things to do is to hit up freshman comp classes, which is something that I do on occasion and I do find to be effective. But as you mentioned earlier, if higher ed itself is not especially diverse, then that alone isn't going to solve your diversity problem. And so I think this idea of kind of moving outside of that is a, is a smart one if you specifically want to increase the diversity of the program. Yeah, exactly. You, some, you're going to have to do some of the work yourself. I, when I was an admission counselor, I mean, to be frank, sometimes we would avoid students that were in what they sometimes call at-risk neighborhoods because they had fewer college prospects, quote unquote, you know. And so that immediately decreases the diversity you're going to have. So sometimes you got to do that legwork yourself. And I, I also think, you know, technical communicators are especially suited for these kinds of things, issues of social justice and those kinds of things, because we're so sensitive to to what we normally call uh, users, but to people and their needs and how they communicate and different ways of communicating with people and and taking that the way one person communicates that and translating it to another person. You know, I just I just think we really have people that could do amazing things with this. Well, this is all helpful because, you know, you mentioned at the start the idea of designated someone to do recruitment and making diversity part of their charge. And I like that idea. But as we mentioned earlier, you know, diversity is such a watered down thing and it can be it can become sort of a checkbox thing like, ah, you know, I sent a flyer to this high school. So done, you know, and so kind of really finding ways to make that meaningful. It sounds like is one of the challenges I know is a challenge that we've experienced. Yeah. And that's why I, I like the idea of instead of focusing on diversity specifically focusing on inclusion. So the difference being, you know, if you're focusing on diversity, you're just thinking, okay, I'm bringing in a certain number of 
people of color into this program. But if you're focusing on inclusion, you're thinking about, okay, when we bring people into our program, how can we include their voices? How can we include their ideas? What can we do to make this program reflect the people that are, that are in the program? I saw a really great example of this um, recently. I think it was Eastern Carolina University, but they had a PhD student. Her name is Temptatious McCoy. So she did her dissertation, and um, in her dissertation, she had uh, a whole chapter that was a digital chapter. And also throughout her dissertation, she also used African-American vernacular English. And her committee could have easily said, you know what, this isn't the convention for a dissertation. This isn't, you need to have academic language, you know, a, a video chapter, talking about all these different things is, is not acceptable. But instead of doing that, they were open-minded and were able to give her the opportunity to to really express herself. I mean, they kept the rigor. It's a very good dissertation, but they also were able to be inclusive, you know, and, and allow her to bring in her culture and her ideas into what she did. And I think that's a good example of, of one way that we can do that. Well, and that's, we haven't talked a lot about faculty or, you know, course practices, but I would presume that, say, having a more diverse faculty would be attractive or more inclusive faculty would be more attractive to a wider variety of students. And then having a more inclusive reading list would probably be, and, and assignments would probably also make the experiences of students better. Do you think that that's probably, a, <laughs> you know, it's kind of trite, but, you know, is it is that a safe a safe assumption. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And um, and when you do that, you know, people talk. So when you have an inclusive program, then one person will tell another person, hey, I had a great experience in this program. They listened to me. They included voices uh, from people uh, from a variety of different races and ethnicities. It was an amazing experience. This, it would be a great experience for you. And, and it, it spreads that way. Yeah, happy students get other students. <laughs> yep, yep, 100% true, yeah. Sure, and, and are more likely, again, to get a larger, more inclusive student body. I like that distinction between diversity and inclusion because, you know, as we mentioned, diversity can get down to checking boxes or feeling like, okay, I'm done when I've met this benchmark or whatever, and inclusiveness is a project that's never really finished. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the thing about diversity is in higher education right now, diversity is kind of prestigious, you know, even like US News and World Report ranks the most diverse college campuses, you know, so but but diversity isn't it, you know, bringing in diverse group of students, and then they just drop out or, or have a terrible experience. That's, that's not going to be good for the future. That's a short-term gain for a long-term loss. You know? So yeah, inclusion is really where it's at, I think. Well, thank you so much, Chris. I really enjoyed talking with you about this and good luck on the job market. Oh, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. You know, it was a great opportunity and I, I really enjoyed talking to you as well.